get a lot of things, especially her being the church secretary and being my bulletin. Uh, so, God help us. We all need help. How many of you know we all need help? Look at your neighbor. Punch your neighbor. Wake them up. Tell them they need help. Well, I'm, I guarantee you today, our speaker, who is uh, Father Rick Terry uh, from the Good Shepherd Anglican Church, he is here to give us help. And I uh, really enjoyed him the first service. If you've never heard Father Rick, you'll just love him. I told him the first service from the first time that I met uh, Rick, uh, I just fell in love with the guy. He's just one of these guys you just love off the first time you meet him. I told him, if you don't love Rick, Terry, check your love meter. So uh, it might need a little oil or, or recalibrated. So uh, we would just like to invite uh, Father Rick Terry to the pulpit today to share God's Word. Give him a hand clap if you will. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I never heard of a church uh, canceling fellowship. What's going on around here? <laughs> fellowship? Isn't that part and parcel of being part of the family of God? Well, sure it is. When I first moved here with my wife and four little kids at that time and two cats, all our furniture crammed into a Hurlahy moving van. Uh, one of, my, one of the first things I wanted to do was to find uh, some fellowship with like-minded pastors. And uh, the first major event I attended was on the courthouse steps the first Thursday in May of 1993, uh, National Day of Prayer. And I met, uh, I met some of those pastors who were on the same page. That is to say, pastors who not only knew a lot about Jesus, but knew him, had a relationship with him. Pastors who were sold out to Jesus, whose main agenda was to play a role in fulfilling God's agenda. And one of those pastors, of course, was your former pastor, uh, Eric Van Buskirk. Um, one of the finest Christian pastors I've ever had the privilege of meeting. And so I counted a joy and a privilege to stand in this pulpit I counted a joy and a privilege wherever I preach, but especially here in this special place. And of course, Eric is uh, right now in the nearer presence of Jesus. And you know what? He's getting to do whatever he wants to do. What? Didn't you know that heaven is a place where you can do whatever you want to do? The wonderful truth behind that is that when we're in heaven, our wills and God's will are one. The Bible tells us in 1 John that when we see him, we will be like him. For we shall see him exactly as he is. That is to say, we will have a 100% accurate picture of who Jesus is. And when we, when we are in that place, all of us falls off, and like we sang, we'll surrender all, because his love does that. Our problem in our earthly journey is that we have a distorted picture of who God really is. But the more our picture of God falls into who God really is, the more we're healed and reconciled and help be made and healthy and uh, the way we should be. 
So heaven, tell, tell your neighbor who doesn't go to church, you know what? Heaven is a place you can do whatever you want to do. They'll go, really? <laughs> and then you can get into a little deeper level like I just mentioned. What a, what a, what a, what a place to be. Well, I've gotten to know Eric's uh, family, Jeanette, and the kids, and um, his kids are PKs, you know, and uh, pastor's kids. And I've got a story about one of his kids, Christopher. I don't think Christopher's here right now. He's involved in a wonderful ministry that meets Sunday evenings called Center Point Ministry, a wonderful work of the Lord. Well, when Christopher was about 12 years old, he was playing basketball with a couple buddies on a hot summer afternoon, and they stopped for a break and had a Mountain Dew or whatever they were drinking in there. They started talking about their dads. Now, one of the fellow's dads was a poet. One of the fellow's dad, the other fellow's dad was a songwriter. And of course, Christopher's dad was a pastor. So talking about their dads and their vocations and what they did. And then they started bragging about how much money their dads made. Speaking about money and all that. First kid said, well, you know, my dad takes a pencil, scratches a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a poem, and they give him $85. Next fellow said, that's nothing. My dad takes a pencil, scratches a few words on a piece of paper. And he calls it a song, and they give him $125. Not to be outdone, little Christopher said, you haven't heard anything. My dad takes a pencil, scratches a few words on a piece of paper, calls it a sermon, and it takes four people to collect all the money. <laughs> <laughs> Only from the mouths of a PKer. <laughs> How about that? Speaking of money, I've heard people say that money is the root of all evil. We know better. The Bible tells us that it is the, the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. How true. One of my favorite programs as a kid growing up was a program called The Millionaire. Some of you who are middle-aged like me remember that uh, episodic TV program every week. It started off with a messenger man going up to a house or an apartment and ringing the doorbell and, and handing the homeowner or apartment renter a check for $1 million. And he said that, well, this is from the estate of John Beresford Tipton. You may remember that name. And uh, it's yours. You can do whatever you want with it. No strings attached. And of course, the amazement of the recipient. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Of course, this year, we're talking 30 years ago. A million dollars was a little bit more than maybe a million dollars is today. A lot of money. Well, as the half-hour program went on, you can guess what happened to almost all of the recipients. Their lives fell apart. They weren't very good stewards of this incredible gift. They spent it unwisely. They got calls from... Great cousins that they'd never heard of before, oh, and all that, you know, wanting a loan or whatever. And they, they went to the racetrack and they squandered the money and their, their lives unraveled and, and fell apart. The neat thing about this program was that almost always at the end, the, uh, the recipient of that million dollars and having wasted it finally comes to terms with uh, something. They looked back on their lives before the money came, and they looked upon that with gratitude. And they were thankful that um, the million dollars was gone, taught them a lesson, and uh, it's a neat way. And I really liked that, that program. 
They became grateful for what they had had and, and enjoyed before the million-dollar check came. And that program reminds me of a, another story of a fella who owned a little apartment on the bad side of the tracks. And uh, one day, actually it was January 7th, that a man came, a messenger man came, rang the doorbell, and gave him $500. Same deal. No strings attached. You can do with this money whatever you want. And the guy's going, really? You're kidding. Where do you live? What's this for? Da, da, da. Anonymous. Have a good day. And he walked away. $500. Wow. So he went out, to, took his wife out to dinner and spent it and packed a little bit of away in the bank and uh, paid some credit card bills. And February 7th, same messenger rang the doorbell, same check. The guy's going, wow, that's $1,000 in two months. Wow, this is amazing. March 7th, same thing. April 7th, same thing. And as the months went on, guess what happened to that guy? Well, he started peeking out of the window, and he started expecting it to come every single month on the 7th. In fact, he developed an attitude of um, he really... Uh, was looking forward to that money. He even planned for it. He even went into debt a little bit, knowing that, oh gosh, I've got this gift coming in on the seventh of every month. Well, this went on for a year and a half. Uh, come June of the second year, he's uh, already rubbing his hands in his mind. Ah, the seventh of oh, the seventh is here. No man came. The eighth of June didn't come. Ninth, tenth. The guy didn't come until the fourteenth of the month. Rang the doorbell. Guy opened the door. What's your problem? You're a week late. What is your... Is there a problem? And the guy said, uh, yes, there is. And he turned around and walked away. Never saw him again. What was the problem? Well, this fellow had moved from gratitude and thankfulness to selfishness. Somehow he figured he, he deserved that. Gifts aren't deserved. Gifts are gifts. The appropriate response to a gift is what? Gratitude and, and thankfulness. Thankless people have a hard way to go in life, whether they're Christians or don't know the Lord. Paul talks about the necessity of uh, thankfulness in Romans chapter 1. Probably familiar with that, that passage. Paul's treatise about which sort of describes mankind and nations and even individuals who, who slide away from God, who, who don't recognize and glorify God and, and what happens. There's a downward spiral morally and physically and emotionally for folks who refuse to do two things. In verse 21, we read, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. This is a descriptive uh, piece about the natural tendency of individuals and groups of people and nations. There's enough evidence, Paul says earlier, there's enough evidence in the created world. Just take a look at the, the plant and animal kingdom, and you have to come to the conclusion that this didn't pop into existence. There's an intelligent designer behind this. There's a creator, and he's to be honored and, and, and revered. But when we stop doing that, we begin to fall into the trap of not glorifying him, not worshiping him, and not being thankful. The result of saying no to God and worshiping something else and being thankless is that 
Our thinking becomes futile, the Bible says, and our foolish hearts are darkened. And we, get, we begin creating our own gods. We worship not the one true God, but we substitute something, ourselves, our, our family, our material things, uh, you name it. And, uh, and then if you read further on, the way we relate to one another sexually gets perverted, and it's just a really horrible downward spiral. Obviously, we need to do at least two things as believers. We need to worship, we need to glorify him, and we need to develop an attitude of thankfulness. It's a good barometer. Um, am I worshiping the Lord, not just on Sunday mornings? Am I worshiping and praising him throughout the week? Do I have a, a thankful heart? And if, if one of those two barometers indicates some trouble, then, my goodness, Ah, best get down on our knees maybe and do some business with the Lord. One of my favorite stories in, in Luke is the story of the ten lepers. And we all know that. Let me read it real quick. It's in Luke 17, verse 11 and following. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy, met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He happened to be a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Huh, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? That he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. All ten were cleansed, they were healed. But only one was, was made whole, was made well. You know the song, it is well, it is well with my soul. I love that song. What was the difference? Well, he, he glorified the Lord. He worshiped him and he was thankful. Ah, key ingredients of, of, I don't like the term, but I'll use it, wellness. Okay, wellness, to be well within, to have that, that peace, to have that sense of, ah, it is well with my soul. Despite the difficult circumstances that we all are involved in, to varying degrees, it can be well with you. You can be whole. You can be well if you glorify him and, and if you're thankful. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I grew up in a family with five kids. I was right in the middle. And my mom was a stickler on giving thanks. You know, I'd run off to Billy's birthday party, and she'd grab me before I go. Now, you make sure that at the end of the party, you go thank Billy's mom for the party. And if you had a birthday party, make sure you thank. Write those thank you notes. Well, my grandma and grandpa on my dad's side um, in their 70s, he retired and got a house down in Florida. And he used to take a, a trip back up north to see my family and my aunts and uncles, my dad had a big family too, so he'd make stops at everyone's house, home up in New York. He'd always bring a 
big bag of grapefruit or oranges, and we used to love them. And, and then if there were grandkids there, he'd have a special gift for each one of the kids. And as I mentioned, there were five of us siblings in the Terry family. And uh, he came, and we, like we always used to do, take out our musical instruments and give an audition for Grandma and Grandpa. And, and he'd tell stories, and we have a nice meal, and then he'd pass out the gifts. Strangely, this one summer, they forgot me. I don't know why. But they, all, two brothers and two sisters all got gifts. And so the ritual was this. When Grandma and Grandpa were about ready to get back into their Thunderbird and drive to another, another uh, kid's house, an aunt or uncle house, we'd line up and say our thank yous to Grandma and Grandpa. So my brother Jimmy, thank you, Grandma and Grandpa, for da-da-da. Sister Jackie, thank you, Grandma and Grandpa, for da-da-da. Came to me my turn. Grandma and Grandpa, thanks for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was being thankful. <laughs> And uh, I think I got a pretty bad whooping uh, after Grandma and Grandpa drove away. That was in his 70s. You know, when he was in his 80s and 90s, he, uh, he used to spin that story and laugh out loud. He thought it was funny. I don't think my mom and dad did. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. My granddad came to a knowledge of the Lord when he was in his 70s. Can you believe that? He was a real strict Presbyterian, my dad tells me that when he was growing up as a kid, they weren't allowed to do any homework on Sunday because it was the Lord's Day. They didn't go shopping. They just sat and ate, and it was a family deal. It was very strict, kind of legalistic. Actually, not to talk about legalism, but I think Sunday is a good day to kind of set aside, isn't it, and focus on the Lord. And uh, some of us have jobs and employment that we are locked into working on Sunday, but be that as it may, for those who are able, a good thing to uh, cancel fellowship and have a picnic on Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so he was saved in his 70s, and he began a unique ministry. I'm in my 70s. I'm 84 years old. I don't what ministry can I be involved in? Well, the Lord led him. He had, he has, he had 22 grandchildren, including myself and my four siblings. And every Christmas, he would send us a book, a Christian book. Uh, one, one Christmas I got The Cross and the Switchblade by David Wilkerson. Other books that he sent out, um, Born Again by Chuck Colson. Some of you have read that maybe. Uh, Something More by Catherine Marshall. Um, I think he sent one uh, Christmas, C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. Of course, as a young kid and a teenager, I'd get these books and go, oh, another book from Grandpa, and I'd throw it on the bookshelf and... Uh, rearranged it a little later. And then, but in my late teens, something kind of different happened. I started, oh, those books. And I was led to the cross and the switchblade. Took that out and read that book. I was fascinated by, by this AG pastor in Pennsylvania moving to New York City, working with the gangs. And uh, maybe you've seen the movie by Pat Boone plays in it, uh, Cross and the Switchblade. Powerful story. And of course, David Wilkerson still has a very powerful ministry today in, in the Times Square area of New York City. And those were seeds that were planted in my heart and came to my early 20s, I had a relationship that uh, was very, very painful. Got on a plane, flew out to California where my dad was. Long story short, I had an encounter with the living Jesus Christ at a coffee house in Redwood City, California, called The Way In. The W-A-Y-I-N-N. -N. Incredible move of God's spirit. This coffee house right across the street from Redwood City High School is packed every night of the week with young kids like me in their teens and 20s and 30s, looking for something. 
I remember that Moody Blues uh, uh, song. I'm looking for someone to change my life. I'm looking for a miracle in my life. Maybe some of you know that song, powerful song, written by a secular group, but that was sort of my mantra. I really was looking for something, and I, Jesus found me. I found him, responded, changed my life. So if you're in your 70s or 80s or 90s, you can have a ministry of sending books to grandkids. I don't have any grandkids. Well, how about little Billy down, down the street? He's eight years old. He doesn't go to church. Why don't you go to praises and say, God, lead me to a little book for Billy. Get some help from one of the gals there. Find a book, wrap it up, give it to Billy for Christmas. You can do that. I mean, even if you're 30 or 40, you can do that, or 50. There's ministries galore. All you have to do is just close off your mind and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with my life? Sort of extracurricular for the Lord that no one needs to know about. You don't have to talk about it in church, but I'm sure I'm glad my granddad did that. And I can name six or seven other cousins that received those books that are now walking with the Lord, seeds planted. Thanks be to God for that. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And in fact, it doesn't depend on the circumstances. It really doesn't. I know uh, an Anglican priest in England who um, Saturday night was walking home from a gathering and he was mugged, beat up, battered, and robbed, and left in an alley. True story. He did make his way to the pulpit the next morning, Sunday, and was preaching. People going, what happened to you? It bruises over his face and whatnot. He said, well, I was mugged and robbed last night. But you know what? I'm thankful that even though I was beaten up pretty badly, they didn't take my life. I'm here today. I'm breathing. And, you know, I'm thankful that they took all the money I had, but it wasn't very much. Still had some left in the bank. And, you know, also I'm thankful for, I'm thankful that I was the one robbed and not the robber. There's always something to give thanks for. Like any other discipline or virtue of the Christian life, it, it needs uh, some effort, it needs some perseverance, it needs some hard work. I mean, the Christian life is kind of a joint venture, isn't it? God who works in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, we work out our salvation so that it's a, it's a duo walk, things we need to do, things we need to let go and let the Lord do, and and that's one of the challenges in walking the Christian life, navigating your way through, well, what do I need to do in this situation, the Lord? Maybe nothing, maybe a lot, maybe a little. I guess it's called walking in the Spirit, being sensitive to God's Holy Spirit in all of our affairs and all of our relationships. But one thing the Holy Spirit wants us all to be reminded of today is, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus Concerning you. You know, each one of us here today is like those lepers, aren't we? We've got some things that are, we don't like about ourselves. We've got some things that are offensive to others. We're marginalized or ridiculed or picked on by somebody out there, or maybe lots of folks out there. And uh, we have cried out to God for healing. And guess what? He has healed us. He's embraced us. He's adopted us into his family. He's responded, praise God, we're healed. But then, 
Are we going to glorify him, worship him, less of us, more of him? Are we going to cultivate a, an attitude of thankfulness? If that be so, we'll be on a journey to wholeness and wellness. It'll be well with our soul. We don't have to. We can just be healed and chug along in life and live sort of sporadically self-centered, God-centered, self-centered, God-centered, and like a bouncy ball, or we can be, as we sang about, we can surrender, we can let go and, uh, and give him thanks in all things and, and worship him and have that be a style of life and be made whole. My prayer for me and for all of you is that we would be like that one Samaritan leper, that we'd return to Jesus every day, not just on Sunday mornings, we'd return to him as we wake up and Set the, set the tone of the day and glorify him and, and just be grateful and thankful. What a way to live. The best way to live. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you. Thank you for your love, your faithfulness, your mercies that are new every morning. Father, thank you for a closet full of clothes. Thank you that I, I even, we even stood there this morning. Oh, what am I going to wear today? That we even have a choice of what clothes to wear. Thank you that most of us have two or three pairs of tennis shoes. Dozens of pairs of socks. Thank you, Lord, for a refrigerator full of food, cans of soup and boxes of cereal in our cupboards. Thank you, God, for air conditioning. Thank you for a washer and a dryer. Well, thank you for hot water to take a shower and a bath in. Lord, there's so much to be thankful for. Every Good and perfect gift comes down from heaven, from you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this church, this body of believers who, who know you and who love you and uh, who will always be there for one another. Thank you, Lord, on this day of Pentecost for the gift of your Holy Spirit who takes up residence in hearts that glorify you and are thankful Thank you for Jesus, for our salvation, for the gift of salvation. May we never fall into the trap of that fella who received those $500 checks every month and think that somehow we deserve it, somehow we've earned it. How ridiculous. Thank you for the gift of salvation. May we guard that gift. And Lord, may we share that gift with others who have not yet received that gift. What a wonderful God you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you, dear God. Father, you came into the darkness of our personal worlds to shine light. And we are here 
this morning to worship you. Hallelujah. Shall we stand and worship the Lord? Take my life, take all of me, take everything, it's all for you. Take my Hallelujah. dreams, take all my fears, take everything, it's all for you. It's all for you. It's all for you. 